0: Welcome back, dear listener. Before we start today's chapter of Canterbury Tales, I thought I might relate an interesting incident that happened over the weekend. We never know what's going to happen at Warwick's Farm, and uh, this was certainly a, something a bit different. Elaine was out shopping Saturday morning, and I was working on the computer, and all of a sudden there's a pounding on the back door. I presumed it was a guy coming to pick up our Kearney Koony piglet, the last of our litter for sale. When I opened the door, I was confronted by a policeman an armed policeman, and uh, he suggested, uh, he asked me if I'd seen anybody run past the house in the last two minutes, which I replied no. He then asked me to go back inside and lock the doors, which I was a little bit dismayed about. I uh, then said to him, should I not put Susie Dog away, and she was licking around his ankles. So he agreed, and uh, he checked around the corners to make sure nobody was there, and we, uh, we put Susie on her um, lead on a run and then I locked myself back in the house and spent the next hour watching armed police and uh, police dogs running around the property and ever decreasing circles. They eventually came and knocked at the door uh, telling me that uh, it looked like it was all clear and they were about to, to move on. I then asked um, if anybody did appear, what should I do? Do they have a number or what should I they suggested I call 111, the emergency number. Uh, I then asked, Is the, the fellow they were chasing dangerous? And they said, Well, not really. He um, he was a little bit un- unfortunate. His uh, car had, his engine in the vehicle had burst into flame just outside our place. And he'd obviously pulled over. And a passing patrol car, highway, highway patrol car, had decided to stop and offer assistance. Of course, this young fellow didn't want any assistance from the police, leapt from the vehicle and ran across the road to the nearest hiding place, which happened to be Warwick's Farm. I was talking to the dog handler afterwards as he was packing up, and he said uh, the guy was obviously having a, an unlucky, unlucky day, but he said his luck was was with him because his police dog was so mesmerised by the variety of absolutely wonderful animal scents from Warwick's Farm that he totally lost the plot and was no use whatsoever in tracking him down. You know, I thought I'd just, just uh, share that with you. Anyway. We will begin today's reading, Chapter 12, Be Our Guest. On entering the tourism industry as a hospitality provider, one would expect it to be a lovely way to earn a living, while at the same time meeting a range of interesting and diverse guests from around the world. Realistically though, you would expect to meet a certain percentage of people whose acquaintance you would not pursue in normal circumstances. The incredible thing is, to date, we have yet to have a guest we would not welcome back. I have pondered the situation from time to time and come to the conclusion that because of what we have to offer on Warwick's farm, the animals, the crafts, the gardens, and the chance for time out from the hustle and bustle of modern life, we attract like-minded people who appreciate all of the above. I believe generally animal lovers and craftspeople tend to be kind and gentle folk. Having concluded all of the above, a family from Singapore a booking on our earlier days had us thinking that maybe our nice people filter had failed us. As the car pulled in beside the barn and the family of four got out, we approached them all smiles and welcomes, expecting the first words to be about the beautiful alpacas that they had been observing as they drove up the race. In fact, the first words were about the alpacas. Mrs B, an elegantly and expensively dressed lady, gave us a tight smile of greeting and with a frown inquired, Why had the alpacas all been shaved? You knew we were coming to see them. I could feel the shift in the force as Elaine's hackles began to rise in protest. My wife is an animal animal lover first, and a tourism professional second, and isn't one to back away from a confrontation. There is no way in the world that we would have left the heavy fleeces on the alpacas in summer any longer than is absolutely necessary for anyone. Some of the larger animals carry an extra four to five kilo, when fully fleeced, and it needs to come off to avoid heat stress. I quickly explained this to Mrs B, so hopefully we could move right along. Watching Elaine glare at our guests as it so. Things appeared to have settled down as we showed them around the barn, Mr. B and his young teenage daughters smiling away until Mrs. B returned from a look upstairs in the library, stroke office, stroke extra sofa divan accommodation room. Why are my husband and I not upstairs in the lovely room with the observation deck? She demanded, tight smiling questioning eyes once again in place. Before I could reply, Elaine took a step towards her and stated, because you booked in for a farm stay, we put you in the comfortable barn stay room with the cozy bed and ensuite rather than in the uncomfortable sofa divan bed in a room with no facilities. Mr. B and I looked at each other, and before Mrs. B could respond, Elaine continued, We have hosted many guests who have had a lovely time with us. However, you do not appear comfortable about staying here, so maybe it's best if you just leave. The girls looked pleadingly at their mother, who stood there open mouthed her bluff having been called, and her husband stared embarrassingly at his feet. I thought we were all due for some time out, so I suggested that we would leave them for a few minutes to discuss what they would like to do, and eased Elaine out of the door. After about ten minutes, during which time Elaine explained to me how she refused to be pushed around by any stuck-up, well, you can imagine the rest, we returned to the barn. As we opened the door, our guests approached us, all genuine smiles with a much lighter atmosphere overhead and Mr B explained it had been a long, tiring day after many hours in the air, after an early start, and they were here now and really happy to stay with us, if that was still all right. We said that was fine, and then a very different Mrs B asked Elaine if she had made the lovely garments, how nice they were and how clever she was. Despite herself, Elaine smiled and agreed that she had, and with the initial tension gone, started showing her her creations. The B family stayed with us for three days and had a ball. Mr B was a jetliner pilot, and a very interesting man, and the girls really enjoy the animals. Elaine offered to teach them how to spin, and they enthusiastically agreed to give it a go. It appeared that Mrs B had quite a competitive personality, and naturally assumed that she would be a better spinner than her daughters. To me, spinning is a bit like the old rubbing your tummy and patting your head routine. Easier for some than others, but eventually with practice, easy to do. Elaine took great delight in watching an an increasingly frustrated Mrs B discover it was her daughters that were the naturals and not herself. The more Elaine had to stop and show Mrs B once again the technique or repair her broken threads, the more she and the daughters enjoyed it. During their last day, Mr and Mrs B asked us if we would like to join them for a bottle or two of red wine that evening as a thank you for their great stay. Elaine and I could hardly believe it. What we had originally anticipated as our first guests from hell had been the very first ones to invite us for drinks with them. We happily accepted their offer and spent a most enjoyable and convivial couple of hours with them. They left us the following day after hugs and kisses with a variety of homespun garments and a commission for Elaine to knit them a couple of our packer beanies to post them to Singapore. As we bade them farewell and we shook our heads in wonder at what an interesting world we lived in. Another family from Asia, a middle aged couple travelling from travelling with their elderly parents, also had an inauspicious start to their stay. They had booked in for a couple of days in midwinter, and unfortunately their dates had coincided with an unexpected snowfall that had lasted several days and rendered us completely white as far as the eye could see. The afternoon they were to arrive we received a call from them explaining that they were travelling on a coach that was due to drop them off from Christchurch but the driver was happy to drop them off outside Warwick's Farm, as they would be passing us, and could we give the driver instructions? This we duly did, and I later waited on the other side of the highway, in the lightly falling snow and sleet, rugged up as warm as I could get, and looking like a yeti with my long winter snow-flecked hair and beard. Eventually, with numbing hands, I watched the coach pull over to the shoulder of the highway, throwing a spray of icy muddy water over my boots. The uniformed driver, bracing himself against the cold, quickly removed our guest's luggage and left the five of us at the side of the highway, surrounded by luggage, as the snowfall began to increase its intensity. I had a distinct feeling that the older couple had been peacefully sleeping in air-conditioned comfort seconds before their arrival, as they were looking very disorientated and confused. Where were they? Why were they now standing out in the snow and cold, with not a sight of any civilization at all? let alone some wonderful farmstay accommodation. Who was this hairy yeti-like creature standing before them with a silly grin, gesturing at some trees across the road? It became immediately apparent that the older couple could not speak English, so then I, addressed, I then addressed the younger ones, who fortunately spoke the lingo, explaining how it was too wet and snowy to drive our vehicle out to collect them, and that they should follow me and they would be warm and sheltered in no time. Some things are easier said than done, trundling large cases through heavy snow and then waiting for a break in the traffic was just the beginning. The older guests were relieved though to notice a driveway through the gloom of the darkening afternoon They managed to get their second wind as our convoy slowly crunched our way across the paddocks of snow-laden animals to the very inviting looking red barn. Fortunately, I had the foresight to have the heating on in the barn so it was with much relief that they finally found sanctuary and I at last noticed some smiles as they settled in. I returned to the cottage to announce the successful arrival to Elaine, thinking all my troubles were over when she asked, As they're not driving, what are the arrangements of their meals and are we supposed to drop them off somewhere or what? "Sh!" I replied, heading towards the door in my wet coat and leaky boots. Well, that was a very unpleasant winter's day to arrive, we, a year or so later, had a honeymooning couple from Singapore arrive on one of those glorious, crisp winter days. It was certainly cold but the sun was shining against the bluest of skies. It was one of those days when it felt great to be alive. Our guests, as you would imagine, were absolutely buzzing on life, love and New Zealand and we all enjoyed a great afternoon visiting the animals and relating the stories. Warwick's Farm never looked better. All green grass and happy animals. Elaine had made up the barn stay Room with our Valentine's Day theme with a sexy red quilt and pillowcases, burgundy towels and so on. The bedside tables had had heart-shaped chocolates on them, and a nice bottle of bubbly sat on a cushion of red rose petals in front of two crossed-over champagne flutes. Breakfast was arranged for 8am the following morning. Overnight, unbeknownst to neither our guests nor ourselves, we had a huge amount of snow silently fall. So much snow that we were in white-out conditions, similar to the previous year. We were fortunate that while the snow had fallen in blizzard-like quantities, the weather had remained gorgeous sunny with blue skies. As I approached the barn with our guests all snuggled up in their love nest, curtained off from the rest of the world, I remembered how they had told me that this was their first time out of Singapore and smiled in anticipation of the surprise they were to shortly experience. Everything except for the sides of the barn and the very top of their rental car's red roof was blanketed in snow. It was white as far as the eye could see, giving way to a bright blue sky on the horizon. Knocking on the right side of the door to their curtained room, I stood there holding the breakfast tray, thick vapour coming from my grinning face as the groom, with a returning smile, drew the curtain and opened the door. I watched in delight as his smile straightened out and his mouth formed a huge oval and his brown eyes continued to get wider and wider. I only wish I had had the foresight to have have had my camera with me. The whole world had changed overnight, a world that he had only seen in movies and pictures and I was delighted to have shared this experience with him. Another even more profound experience we were to enjoy was with a young teenage boy from Japan, who was staying with us for a week or so as part of an exchange visit with the local high school. Young Tom had thoroughly enjoyed his time with us and made the most of the experience, even to the extent of helping out with the not-so-popular farm chores. One evening, though, towards the end of his stay, he appeared to be lurking awkwardly about the kitchen window. Asking him if anything was the matter, He became a little embarrassed and said that everything was fine, though he continued to look a little anxious. When we gently asked him again, he shyly asked me if I could take him outside and show him the stars. I happily agreed and we went out along the driveway, away from the trees, and looked up at the heavens. It was one of those nights when there wasn't a cloud in the sky and the night was lit up by one of the wonders of nature that most of us in our day-to-day lives fail to notice. A million stars at least nestled on a black mantle of sky in all their glory. Every star sign represented in this majestic display, or so it seemed. Tom explained that living all his thirteen years in Tokyo, with its incandescent city light, he had never really had the chance to properly look at the stars. A lazy tear slipped down my cheek as I joined him in his state of wonder, meaning quite humble to share this exquisite and very personal moment with him. Shona was a guest, originally from the Middle East, who had spent most of her working life in New York, in a challenging and successful career most recently as a very senior executive of a powerful United Nations organisation and having recently retired, was just beginning a well-earned and long-planned 12 months unofficial travelling around the world. Her three-day visit in July coincided with three days of torrential rain which saw her marooned in the barn. Having arrived by limousine, she was not able to drive to any outdoor tourist venues that might have interested her and declined our office to take her. She was thoroughly enchanted by our surroundings and our company. We spent three days with her in the barn, including sharing our meals together, and we all had a wonderful time. Her vast experience of life at so many levels, coupled with her intelligence and wisdom, made her a very stimulating company, and she obviously enjoyed hearing about our experiences. I absolutely hate it when our guests, due to foul weather, have little opportunity to get to see our menagerie close-up and I was frequently scanning the dark clouds through the window, hoping for a break in the weather. The day of Shona's departure came all too soon, with the limousine booked to arrive late morning. I insisted that she be ready to depart an hour earlier than arranged, so I could very slowly and with many stops take her on the farm tour by car. She kept looking at Elaine in disbelief, as I kept stopping the car and ducking out and coming back with a variety of chickens and rabbits and guinea pigs for her to hold and touch and enjoy. As well as stopping beside the paddocks and parading pigs and goats and sheep and alpacas up to the fence line for her to view. After three days in our company, she already knew that she was in the company of an animal loony and settled back and enjoyed the farm safari. She left us with warm memories of a special time and elaine a commission to create an alpaca waistcoat similar to the one Shona had purchased for herself or her sister she would be meeting up with in Switzerland. Shona went on to have a most amazing 12-month adventure predominantly around Asia, which she shared with us in her private blog to friends and family. She would spend many weeks working with impoverished communities around the continent, then spend some relaxation time in opulent resorts, in time with healers and monks, enjoying every moment of it, making sure she supplied me with delicious descriptions of the gastronomic delights she was experiencing. Our most mysterious hosting experience involved an older couple from Australia, who arrived late one afternoon in the early summer for a one-night stay. Arrangements had been made for me to return to them 30 minutes or so after they had settled in to take them on the tour. However, as it was a Monday evening, and bearing in mind that sometimes tours could go on for several hours, I suggested that it was probably wise for them to go out for the evening meal first and then enjoy the tour on their return, the summer evening staying light until close to 10pm at that time of year. They agreed that was a splendid idea and could they pay for the room now rather than in the morning, which I happily agreed to, before returning to my late afternoon rounds of the animals. A couple of hours later I was on standby for their return so we could start the tour, or it got too late. Time ticked on and on with no sign of them and I was starting to become concerned an hour later with still no sign of them, that they may have had a breakdown or perhaps worse. I ventured over to the barn and peered in at the room to discover that it was completely empty of any sign of our guests, including luggage. They had gone, and the key had been left on the bed, so they obviously had no intention of returning. Oh well, I decided. That was easy money. No breakfasts, no room servicing and laundry to wash. A couple of extra hours of free time. I was still a little sad to think that they would got away without seeing all the animals. Till next time, thank you for listening.